What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. Our text today is verse 14 on down to the end, but we're going to start in verse 21 because I believe it is kind of the foundational piece of this passage of which we are going to build upon. Now, if you are taking notes, um, there are some questions that I want you to write down that I believe will be answered, and I want you to really answer them, but don't just answer them yourself say, Holy Spirit, search me and know me. I need you because apart from the Holy Spirit, you're not going to know. Here's the questions. Are you set apart? Are you set apart? Are you useful? Are you ready for every good work? Are you set apart? Are you useful? Are you ready for every good work? So let's look at 2 Timothy 2.21. It says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart. And I want you to highlight set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, Ready, and I want you to highlight ready. That word ready could also be translated prepared for every good work. I want you to say, I am ready for every good work. No, you're not. No, you're not. Quit lying to yourself. No, I'm just kidding. It's a joke. You are ready. You are set apart. You are holy. But it's nothing that you've done. It's this cross that we glory in. I want you to turn to Ephesians 1, please. It's this cross and this gospel that we proclaim. It's where we get our confidence. It's why Paul says, I want to know nothing else but Christ and him crucified. That we glory in the cross. That we point to the cross. That we fit, we're fixed upon the cross. See, the cross where Jesus took your sin and my sin upon himself. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. Because Jesus died on the cross for my sins, he took it all there. It, it didn't stick to me. It stuck to him. But because it's stuck to him and it's nailed there, I get to become righteous. I am now the righteousness of God, and I didn't do anything to earn that. And because of the cross, I'm set apart and I'm prepared. Let's look at uh, Ephesians 1 here, and let me show you what I'm talking about. Let me turn there. I keep forgetting to do that. Verse 3. It says, We've been blessed in Christ with some blessings. Every. Every. Like, how many of us, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just not ready yet. Oh, I just don't know enough. Whoa, 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 whoa. 
Don't come against God. Don't come against God. That's arrogant. If God says you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, who are you? Better slow your roll. Verse 4. He chose us. You know, some of us, you know, we always got picked last for the games in high school, right? We still got issues of that. Understand this. Listen, you've been chosen. He picked you. He picked you. Before the foundation of the earth. That's why we're against abortion, by the way, right there. Before the world was even created, he had you with your snotty little nose in his mind. And he chose you. This is a great and glorious gospel. Verse 5. You are now adopted as a son. You are now adopted as a daughter. You are not an outcast. You are not an outsider. You are on the inside. You are in the family of God. Six, we've been blessed again in the beloved. Verse seven, here it is. We have redemption through his what? blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses or sins according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. Now, here's the deal. I want you to say, I'm so rich. True story. Doesn't matter what your bank account says. Do you walk around like you're rich? He's lavished it upon. Means you are drowning in an ocean of grace. If you picture yourself out in the middle of the ocean, you can't see land, understand everywhere you look around you is an ocean of grace that is lavished upon you. It's all over me. Goodness and mercy keep following me even though I try to get away from it. Thank you, Delita. I'm going to wake some people up in here, Delita. Verse 9. I don't walk around like I don't know. No, 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 no. I understand the mystery because God's revealed it to me. I don't, I don't, I don't walk around questioning things. I already know. It is written. Look at 11. I've attained an inheritance. Oh, yeah, I'm rich again. And, 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 and there's that song we were singing. He works all things together for the good. Yeah, everything in my life, verse 11, he's working out according to the counsel of his will. You know what that brings in my life? No more worry, no more fear, because I don't have to figure out what's next. All I got to do is follow because my dad's got me. He's already worked it out. How many sleepless nights? How many people tossing and turn? What do you want to do with my life? Oh, God, what are you calling me? Stop that. Bring out your Bible and say, okay, okay, yeah. You're going to show me. You're going to show me. And begin to rejoice and let that word of God get in you. It's going to change how you do what you do. There's no more question, no more word. He's working it out according to his will, to his will. So help me come off mine. And see, when I'm trying to do my will, I push, I fight, I strive. Uh Uh-uh. It's the Lord's battle. 
All they just need to do is follow. It seems so easy, doesn't it? Yeah, it is on, on the Sunday morning service. Till your boss starts coming at you. Amen, UI folks. I'm just kidding. And look at this here in 13. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now listen, sealed, sealed, sealed. When a king used to send his documents, he would melt wax on the piece of paper. He would have a ring with his emblem or signet on it, and he would press that down into the melted wax. If somebody broke that seal, they would usually die. You have been sealed by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and nothing can snatch you out of his hand. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You've been sealed. That gives us security. That gives us, verse 14, a guarantee, an inheritance. It will cause us to praise him. So, understand this is what the cross did. You did not do anything for Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 is just a little bit of your inheritance. Most of us walk around like a homeless guy with a billion dollars in the bank, but we don't use our ATM ever and we keep begging for money. We don't realize how rich we are in Christ. We don't realize the privilege that we have in Christ. Everyone who is in Christ is always at an advantage. No matter what situation I am in, I am always at the advantage because Christ is in me. Always. Always. No matter what the outcome is. Because outcomes don't matter in the kingdom. What do you mean by that? Well, God may send you a messenger of Satan to buffet you. Outcomes. Outcomes. I'm in Christ. I have the advantage. So I want you to load back to 2 Timothy 2.21, and I want you to, 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 to get this here. That's why we're starting here. You see that it says set apart as holy. Set apart as holy. 2 Timothy 2.21, set apart as holy. And then also that word ready. I had you highlight. I told you it's, it means prepared. Now, the, 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 the Greek word here is really, really important. These two words are in the passive present tense, meaning you didn't do anything. The cross did it all. The cross has prepared you. The cross has set you apart. The cross has made you ready and useful to be used by God. God did it all. He alone gets the glory. It is not by works that we are saved, but it's by his grace through the blood of cross. And that's why we boast in the cross alone and not ourselves. This is huge. Graham Cook, who I listen to a lot, he says this, your starting place determines your outcome. Some of our starting places are way off in how we think. Understand you have, because of the cross, Ephesians chapter 1. 
It's who you are in Christ. And understanding your identity and beginning to walk in that will cause you to be able to walk in your destiny, which is bringing other people into their destiny. Because your destiny ain't about you. First Thessalonians 3.8, For now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. The main emphasis in the Greek in that verse is the word you. Paul was saying, this life ain't about me, but it's about you. And that's that mindset that we're called into. We understand who we are in Christ. Your purpose is my purpose. Because this thing ain't about me. I want you to turn to Romans 8.13, please. I love the passage in John chapter 9, Romans 8.13. I love the passage in John chapter 9 where the blind man gets touched by Jesus. Then he goes right up into Hebrew State University. Now, those were the Pharisees of the Pharisees. They, they, they had the whole Bible memorized, the Old Testament, right? He goes up into, with all the doctors and the lawyers and the really smart people, and he just says, this guy Jesus did it. Do you want to be his disciples? Like, like, like he'd just been touched by Jesus. He didn't know anything. I don't know where he comes from. I don't know. But here's what I do know. Nobody's been healed of blindness since birth. So he must be something. And they got triggered. They started arguing. We know you were born in sin. We don't know it. You know, and they start going off. And he takes down the rabbi of the rabbis after being just touched once with Jesus by Jesus. You don't know how rich you are. You don't know how rich you are. Romans 8, 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, it's capital S, you might want to highlight that, by the Spirit, by the Spirit, not you. Not you. You can't do it. You're not strong enough. By the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. You will live. So, so, so Christian, listen, I'm set apart, I'm prepared, and now I have this Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is inside of me, and, and when I walk in him, I have the ability to put to death everything that's hindering me. I can't do it on my own. You know, I love talking to people sometimes. I see them, hey, man, where you been? Oh, man, I'm in good. I'm, 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 I, when, when you been to church, man? Oh, I'm just trying to get my life right. Bro, You'll never get your life right because you can't do it. You're not strong enough. You're not good enough. You don't have that kind of power. You need to get in touch with the same power that raised Christ from the dead that's within you so that you can put to death what is stopping and blocking your life. You need to die so that Christ can have his way. It's the gospel. It's the simplicity of the gospel. And when you and I get in trouble, here's what happens. We forget about who we are more importantly, who he is and what's inside of us, right? So forgetfulness is what gets me most of the time. (sighs) 
That's when God brings Rafiki. I'm just, I'm kidding with you guys. That'd be a good place for the clip there, right? Look, look, Simba, look, look. What do you see, right? And so when he sees his dad, right? That's us, guys, in Christ. Now, Rafiki, new age stuff, don't do it. But listen, listen, he sees his dad, and all of a sudden he comes into his identity because you behold, what you behold is what you become. Will, go ahead and play your video, please. My family was always amazing, at least in my vision as a kid growing up. Um, I had two amazing parents and three brothers, and a lot of people just viewed our family as like the quintessential like Christian family, which was hard for my family, especially because we weren't the perfect Christian family. With me growing up, and growing into different um, sins and patterns and habits just as a human, it was really hard. Um, there was lots of shame, um, specifically in the area of lust. And it's really hard whenever you grow up your whole life sharing a room with your brother, and then all of a sudden a brother moves out, and now you have your own room. And in our age, there's technology. I spent a lot of time learning things on YouTube. I spent a lot of time wasting time on YouTube. I spent a lot of time connecting with friends and learning things on social media. I spent a lot of time wasting time on social media. And that, as I grew more curious and growing, that became to the inherently wrong stuff of pornography, of looking at other people and comparing myself to them, um, comparing my family to other families, comparing my life to other people's lives. Um, and that comparison was super detrimental to my mind, um, to my heart, to just me as a whole. A lot of this culminating to my senior year in high school, I got into a relationship with a girl and it ended super quick. But I was super quick for my mind to run. So as soon as I got in my first relationship, I thought that that meant that it was the one. I thought it was one and done. I thought this is the way that life is. You meet someone and then life is perfect. And whenever that bubble is shattered, whenever that snow globe is shattered, you, you have different places to run. So I did learn to run to God. And I did learn um, that he was my father and willing to protect me. But many times, um, like, when I, like the Israelites, they would run to God, but they would also run to other things, other gods. And I thought it was super interesting um, how God could break the chains of the Israelites and as soon as they get out into the desert, they immediately want to go back. They immediately want to go back to slavery. That resonates so much with me. Of In my story, God breaking chains of so many different things, whether it's anxiety, fear, lust, um, ungodly beliefs, ungodly habits, and he breaks them. But then I get so afraid because I'm so tied to these things that I just want to run right back. So coming into 516, I was really trusting God with my life. And I was really um, just hoping that he would lead me wherever he wanted to lead me because I had no idea where my life was going. One of the biggest things that God gave me in 516 was my relationship with Nick. Nick was my roommate in 516 and even after. And we grew a ton together. We walked a ton together. In 516, we got to have our tripod sessions, which is what we called our accountability with me, Nick, and Steven. I got to share things. We got to share things with each other that were so real. I had shared deep things with others, um, but this was another level because of the consistency and because of the tight-knittedness of it. 
And that really allowed me to see that, like, man, God loves me in the midst of all of my brokenness and all my sin. He loves me, and he loves us. In the sense of the soldier analogy, he's given me a brother in arms. And so when we talk about purity um, and lust and um, the sin, our sinful hearts and our sinful minds— I feel like we don't fully understand it because whenever God saves us, he gives us a new mind. He renews our minds. We don't have the spirit of fear. We don't have this mind of sin. He's given us a new mind and a new heart. And so we're fighting from purity. Someone gave me a word one time about my life and how they saw me leading an army of angels in to storm the gates of hell. The gates are supposed to protect the camp of hell, but we actually stormed the gates of hell, and I think that's crazy. Whenever um, my friend gave me that word of, of the, I'm going to storm the gates of hell, not by my power, but by God's power, and we get to storm in from a place of purity, from a new heart, and I always think about, like, wh- who's inside the gates of hell? Um, in Narnia, um, if you remember that movie. And the first one, The Lion, Wish, and the Wardrobe, Edmund um, gets captured. He gets seducted. He gets um, tempted by the White Witch, who says she's the Queen of Narnia. But really, she's fighting with a different agenda in mind, and she actually is fighting against Edmund. But he doesn't know that. And so he gets taken captive by the enemy camp. And Aslan tells his army to go and get Edmund back. And at, at the words of Aslan, they did it. And I thought it was so interesting, that scene where they go and get him. It's like, it's like it was nothing. The army of God and um, the commanders in God's army, they were just waiting for Aslan's word to yeah. go and rescue their brother back. And I think that's so symbolic about how we, a part of, a part of God's family, um, we're just awaiting the word to go and rescue our brothers from the enemy's camp. And, and some of us have no idea. And our brothers that are stuck in the enemy's camp, they have no idea either. And for a lot of us, that was us. For me, that was, I was Edmund. For my brothers, we were, we were Edmund. And we were just awaiting God's army to come and take us out of hell. We were stuck in Sheol. But God came and rescued us for that. So coming out of 516, kind of a spiritual high. You've had a really tough year. Um, and I was still battling with these things. I actually was probably just starting to battle with these things. Before then, I was probably just losing the battle of um, in my mind and not surrendering, surrendering my mind to Christ and just really losing this battle of my thoughts and just being t- taken captive by other things instead of Christ um, with lust and anxiety and fear. And so near the end of 516 was like the start of the battle. And so I began to toil and engage in the struggle. I had the weapons. I just needed a brother to fight with me. And so that was Nick. And so me and Nick, um, we kind of came up with this idea we would just let each other know when we needed fighting for. And so whenever we were having a really tough day, our minds were running, we were facing anxiety, we were facing lustful thoughts, whether we wanted to go do this or look at that or think this way, we just needed to let the other person know. So we would just send pause. And we would both stop no matter what we were doing and pause. We would get to breathe and just pray and ask God for help whether it was for yourself or for your brother. And those have been super powerful. It's so earth-shattering in the best way whenever you realize that you're not alone because we cannot do this alone. And whenever I was given a brother to fight for me and with me, 
there was nothing better than that. Will, go ahead and stand up. Will's, Will's always back there doing sound, so he's our sound guy. So, yeah. Will graduated high school and did Project 516, which is our discipleship program. And uh, if you want to still sign up, you can. You better do it quick. Uh, but you will come into freedom if you take part in that. But, uh, you know, I'm just proud of you, Will. One of the reasons is you really embody this whole text. You were willing to be a vessel of honor, set apart holy for the master. He's bringing you out on display. You're not a vessel of dishonor to be hidden in the back, but he's called you out to the front, all right? Also, it says, with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart in this text. You called upon Nick. You called upon people with a pure heart. You're also, don't let anybody look down on you because you are young, but you set the example. You set the example in what? Purity. Purity is the word. And how many people here in the church, you've been going to church for for 20 plus years, and you don't have anybody that you can text when you want to go look at porn And you just think you're doing this thing by yourself. It ain't going to happen. Who can you say, hey, just text. I'm texting you. Pause. I need prayer right now. See, what he developed and what came to their mind was Romans 8, 13. They are calling on the Holy Spirit's power through prayer because when two or three are gathered in his name, his presence is with you and he puts to death the flesh, his desires that are anti what God is wanting them to do. What an example for the church of Jesus Christ. And some of us, our pots are still full of the emoji, okay? When, in all actuality, you should have unplanted a church five years ago. We've been given so much through the cross. So much has been given to us. Let's go through it. 14, remind them of these things and charge them. That word charge is a command. It is imperative. It is stern. It is a warning. This is very serious. Charge them. It's not, hey, think about it, you know. It's not the politically correct America Bible. It's like, hey, this is serious, and I'm charging you. I am warning you. Before God, or in the presence of God, not to quarrel. Hello. I don't know about you, but I was convicted, so. Quarreling does no no good. It only ruins. The Greek word there is where we get the word catastrophe. Catastrophe. You can put above there, 2 Peter 2.6. Peter uses the same word there to describe what God did to Sodom and Gomorrah. 
your arguing will cause catastrophe in the church and also outside of the church. It brings disgrace to the name of Jesus. We don't argue. In my house, with my wife, in front of my kids, the rule is no arguing. And sometimes we messed up. At least I did, okay? Time out. We don't argue in front of our children. You know what happens to children when parents are constantly arguing in front of them? It puts a spirit of fear in them. Is everything going to be okay with mommy and daddy? We don't argue in front of our children. It can ruin them. Can God redeem? Yes. But I want you to understand, church, this is serious. This passage is serious. And it's serious not only for parenting, but more importantly, in the body of Christ, because the body of Christ shouldn't be known for catastrophe. It should be known for our love for one another. It ruins the hearers. 15, do your best. That means be diligent, work with zeal, and be persistent with maximum effort. Sometimes we think of do your best. Oh, Johnny, you did your best. That's all that matters. It doesn't mean that. It means, hey, Johnny doesn't show up to go play basketball and he can't hit the backboard. It it means like, no, 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 Johnny, it's time for you to start growing up and shoot 700 shots a day so that you're diligently prepared and you know how to shoot. There's a difference here. It's not just do your best, Johnny. It's like this is going to take serious work to present yourselves to God. See, you're not presenting yourselves to win a trophy. You're presenting yourself to God. This is for you, God. I'm walking in the audience of one, as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, no shame in my game. Rightly handling the word of truth. That word rightly handling means cut straight, cut straight. It's used from a carpenter, how he would draw the line and he would just cut straight. So what this is saying is that the man of God, the woman of God needs to be able to handle God's word in such a way that they cut straight with it. There's no sloppy agape. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter four, please. Understand the Bible is God's word, it's his breath, it's inerrant, it is God's breathe, it is sufficient, it is authoritative, and everything in life must line up with God's word. It's not my truth. This is my truth. It's my truth. I understand that. But understand that's wrong. You want to live God's truth from his holy word. That's offensive to our generation we live in. That's why I'm talking to the church today, not to the world. I wouldn't make fun of my truth language. But I hear my truth language in the church. No. No. Watch Jesus. Matthew 4, verse 11. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After 
fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, I want you to highlight if you are the son of God. The enemy was checking Jesus's identity. Oh, please, who do you think you are? That's basically what that means in the Greek. He was trying Jesus, if you are. Command these stones to become loaves of bread, but Jesus answered, it's written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I want you to highlight, it is written, important. Verse five, then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are, I want you to highlight that again. Why? Because again, it's the offense. It's the attack on the enemy, the attack of Jesus's motives, who he is. And, and understand that people are gonna constantly attack you, constantly come at you, constantly question you. Why are you doing what you're doing? That's not your job, bro. It's the Holy Spirit's job to search me and know my heart. Be very careful that you're not coming at people if you are, if you are. Throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone if you're taking note you can put psalm 91 why because satan is quoting scripture here he's quoting the word of god this is extremely important for the church because every sunday in america scripture is used out of context and it's your responsibility to be able to rightly divide the word of god so that you know If I say something that's a little crooked and it doesn't cut straight, you can come to me and talk to me in love. Not gossip and slander, but you come to me and talk to me because you know I do want to cut straight, guys. But my eyesight's get bad sometimes. Anyway, so that's why we need each other. But how does Jesus say? Seven, it is what? So again, he goes back to the word of God. You should not put the Lord, your God, to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him the kingdoms of the world, their glory, and said to him, all these I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Notice Jesus didn't argue, right? I would have, right? Don't you know Psalm 24, uh, uh, the world is the Lord's and everything is in it? You know, I would have argued back. In the beginning, Right? I, I did that, Satan. Jesus. What did he say? Be gone, Satan. For what? It is written. I ain't arguing with you. I ain't got time. You're not on my level. I know who you are, and I don't need to enter into an argument with you because you are not being led by the Spirit of God. You don't want God, so therefore there's no argument. And here is the warning, verse 10, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only, only. Satan didn't want to do that. What happened? The devil left. Be careful of arguing with people who really don't want the will of God. Everybody wants to argue about stuff. Are we arguing about the will of God right now? So 
here's a couple questions for you out of verse 15, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, right? Are you being diligent in your study? Are you being diligent in how you're handling the word of God? Are you cutting straight? Or somebody say, bro, your lines are really, really crooked. Follow me as I follow Christ. I can't because it's, would you, would you go straight so I can follow you as I follow Christ? Will, go ahead and put that up. I, I showed somebody this, a couple people, and I won't mention any names because you're already forgiven and there's no judgment or condemnations, Roman 8, 8, one. But I have this little app, right? And I listen to this while I'm exercising and I listen to it over and over and over and over again. Chapter two, I got it on repeat and I got it on fast play, all right? So that I hear it over and over and over again. So I probably listened to chapter two this week about 100 times because I want that word just in me, soaked in me, so that I have a grasp of the text that I'm preaching on, right? Then after that, I slow down, and I go through it slower. Now, I was telling somebody, man, you need to get this. They're like, how much? I'm like, it's 29 bucks a year. Oh, man, that's way too much. Then I was like, oh, hey, bro, ain't you a member of LA Fitness? What? What's that cost a month? Oh, 29. Oh, so, 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 you, you, don't, you don't got money, 29 a year, but you got 29 a month because you're trying to get swole to attract the ladies. But you don't want to be swole in the Lord. Ha What do you mean, Chris? Listen, 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. I want you to flip there because we're in Timothy. It says, have 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Ooh, 1 Timothy 4, 7, train yourself for godliness. Again, a command. For why bodily training is of some value or little value, 29 a month. Well, Chris, I, I go to Planet Fitness. Oh, my bad, 120 a year versus 29 a year. Get out of my face, Planet Fitness. Anyway, it's some value. Some value, little value, little value. But godliness is of value in any way as it holds a promise for this present life and also for the life to come. So what's your plan to get swole? What's your plan to be diligent? How are you at cutting straight the word of God so that when somebody says something to you like, man, I'm just never gonna change. Oh, you know what? Well, you read this book by so-and-so and you gotta find your truth. No. I don't feel like I'm ever gonna change. All right. Let's turn to Philippians 1.6. What's it say? Be confident. That he who began a good work in you will complete it. You don't feel like you're going to change. You're focused on you. You're not focused on him who said he's going to complete what he finished. Now turn to Hebrews chapter 12, which says that he is the author and the finisher of your faith. What he started, he will finish. Do you believe how you feel or do you believe God? Now, I would never yell at anybody like that, but I'm preaching right now. See, the issue's not you. The issue is you don't believe what's written. 
And when you don't believe what's written, you can't cut straight. You can't rightly divide that nonsense that's coming in. And you listen. Some things will never change. All my old school Tupac. Da-na-na, da-na-na. Some things will, right? And you believe, like, like, that's my jam. That's my jam. Yeah, that's your problem, too, because that's your jam. I'm confident that he who began a good work in me will complete it, Philippians 1, 6. I stand on that. I live on that. I think like that. I walk like that. <sighs> Inheritance. You're set apart. You're in Christ. You're in Christ. You're always at an advantage. You already won. It is finished. 16. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Avoid irreverent babble. For it would lead people into more ungodliness. So again, we've already talked about it'll cause a catastrophe. Now it's more ungodliness. 17. Their talk will spread like gangrene. Highlight gangrene. Gangrene spreads rapidly in a body if it's not treated and it can cause amputation to be cut off understand he's talking to timothy who's leading a church watch out this church in ephesus talk is spreading in the church and it's going to cause gangrene gangrene it attacks healthy flesh You've been made healthy by the blood of the cross. But all of a sudden, gangrene's crept in, and that ungodly chatter is about to get somebody cut off. Not cut off from a salvation, but cut off from walking in their destiny. Cut off from freedom that's found in Christ so they can storm the gates of hell and rescue the wills that are trapped. Cut off. Gangrene. Of no use, not connected to the body of Christ. This is serious stuff. These two dudes, among them, are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection is already happening, and they are upsetting the faith of some. So it's causing people's faith, their ungodly babbling chatter and talk, is shipwrecking and upsetting, turning over people's faith. Verse 20. Now in a great house, there's not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some honorable use and some for dishonorable. So, 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 so you're a vessel. Say, I'm a vessel. The clay pots were used to go number two, okay? You don't bring those out for dinner when you have somebody over. God is saying in my house, in my church house, there's some people that need their diaper changed, but they're going to be brought out to the front, gold, silver, presentable, honorable. In fact, in Christ, you're gold and silver, and you're called to be brought out, vessel of honor. Look at 21. If anyone cleanses himself, that word is where we get catharsis, right? It's a medical term, catharsis. It means to clean out thoroughly or to purge. And so you have a responsibility. You've been cleaned out. You've been purged by the blood of Jesus Christ. Justification, faith, salvation. The cross did that. But you're also called to change your dirty diapers. Sorry I'm going there, but 
I'm trying to explain this. It's not really going over very well. Pray for me. Don't judge me. From what is dishonorable, (laughs) he will be a vessel for honorable use that's set apart as holy and useful. Highlight that word useful. In a few weeks, we'll be back there. But 2 Timothy 4.11, the apostle Paul says, bring John Mark because he's useful to me. Understand, Christian, Christian, when you cleanse yourself of what is dishonorable, you're now useful to the master to use. He wants to use you. That's his desire. You are holy. You are set apart. He wants you to walk in that. Ready and prepared for every good work. Verse 22, so flee. Flee. I want you to highlight flee. Why? Flee is where we get the word in the Greek fugitive from. Now, if you've never seen uh, Harrison Ford fugitive, you need to go watch it. Some of you new school people, it's an epic movie. We are called to run from evil like fugitives, meaning we stay on the run. We never stop. I see evil, I flee. I'm a fugitive from evil. It's constant, it's persistent, that's the word in the Greek. You are known from someone who runs away from evil constantly. And not only that, because Christianity is not a do-not religion, it's a do religion. Flee youthful passions. Youthful passions. And pursue So now you have flee and pursue, flee and pursue, flee and pursue. Pursue is an imperative command, not a suggestion, that we pursue faith and love and peace along with all those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. That's the church. This is why you need someone to text. Accountability will help you flee and pursue. Chris, you said you were going to do this. Did you do it? No, I didn't. And see, I'm so prideful, I don't want to have to say that, so I'll do it. You know, that's how all early discipleship happens. They're more afraid of the question being asked than presenting themselves before God. We want to present ourselves before man. But that's okay. God's grace. He understands. So are you fleeing like a fugitive? Are you pursuing the things with the body of Christ? Would that define your life? If we don't flee from sin and pursue righteousness, we will be overtaken by sin. You are called to be a, an honorable vessel, presentable, that the master brings out. Bill Rodriguez did a great job last week talking about good soldiers, competitive athletes, and hardworking farmers. But often in the church, we have unfocused soldiers, cheating athletes, and lazy farmers. And it's producing a crop. Which one are you? And what are you going to do about that? This is what God's calling you to do flee and pursue, flee and pursue. There's no fleeing, there's no pursuit. What do you think is going to come of your life? 
you're going to continue to be a vessel that is never used by God, never brought out front. If I said to you, raise your hand if you could think you can plant a church, every single person should raise their hand if you're a Christian. If you're prepared and ready to plant a church, everybody should raise their hand. What, 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 what's hindering you? Colossians 3 talks about putting off and putting on, putting off and putting on. That's the Christian walk, guys. What needs to go? We're gonna have prayer at the end, people up front, and, and, and guess what? This is a time where you confess and say, you know what, I'm done. I wanna be a fugitive, and I want to pursue righteousness, and, and I'm gonna say, hey, I'll pray for you, but who are, who, are, who are you gonna get in your life? Who's your Nick? Who's your will? Verse 23, have nothing to do with foolish and ignorant controversies. Um, this word in the Greek is, is hard to pronounce, so I'm gonna just have you write it down. For foolish, ignorant controversies, it's F-A-C-E-B-O-O-K. It was funnier when we were doing sermon prep, wasn't it? I, I thought it was funny. All right, cool. Slow on the update. Facebook, okay? So, so, so here's the deal. Yeah, we don't want to get sucked into foolish and injured controversies. I've done it. You've done it. We got to stop it. These are things that are controversial, seriously disputed, having no certain bias in the truth. They breed and produce quarrels. That's what it says in verse 23. They breed and produce quarrels. And the servant of the Lord must not be quarrelsome. Oh, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive us. We've got to be kind to everyone, able to teach patiently enduring evil. When people are coming at me sideways, I've got to be patient with them. When they're offending me, I've got to turn the other cheek and be patient with them. When I'm wronged, I've got to patiently endure their evil. And then I've got to correct, which means to instruct, educate, or give guidance to my opponents. That means those that are coming against me, I've got to do it with what? With gentleness. Oh, man, I hate that verse. <laughs> I want to be right. I want to put them in their place. I want to show them who's the boss. Quit looking at me like you ain't ever done that before. <laughs> Tell them, Delita. Denial just ain't a river in Egypt, baby. All right. <laughs> See, that was a good joke. I stole that from somebody. <laughs> All right. Verse 26, or 25. That God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to knowledge of the truth. Look at that. That is the grace of God. You can't repent without God. Say that, I can't repent without God. You gotta get over your bad self, pun intended. 26, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. I want you to flip over to 1 Timothy 3.7. This is really important that you see this. 
that they escaped the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. He's talking to the church. Many in the church are ensnared by the devil and they're captured to do his will. That offends the church. Don't be offended. Let's be in our Bible. So 1 Timothy 3, 7, it talks about elders. And what's that last line say? It says, moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders that he might not fall into disgrace into the snare of the devil. So leadership could fall into the snare of the devil. That means I could fall into the snare of the devil and you could fall into the snare of the devil. And this causes us, when I realize God gives grace to repent and I could fall into the snare of the devil, it causes me to be humble and gentle with my opponents and meek and kind and not trying to get justice because they'll get justice one day. And now I'm fearful of what they may face if they don't repent. And now that causes me to be compassionate. You see why cutting the word straight and rightly dividing it and having the word of God in its right place really affects your life. Now I'm going to give you three things that you can walk away with here. How do we overcome being argumentative? Now, I'm just making this up because I can't do it, okay? I'm just, I'm just let. I'm just kidding. This is what we have to be about, guys. This text is serious. The first thing I want you to write down is we have to, how do we overcome being argumentative? We have to rightly handle the word of truth. If the word doesn't have its rightful place, you will be argumentative. Well, what do you mean, Chris? Well, 21 says I'm set apart and I'm prepared. I've got to rightly walk in that. If I know I've already won, I don't have to try to win. If I understand my inheritance, I don't need to prove anything because I'm a beloved son and I'm my dad's favorite. And I also know that my obedience is a byproduct of the Holy Spirit. It's not produced by my own goodness. I have nothing to do with it, nothing. His grace has allowed me to grow. Verse 25, it says that, right? His grace has allowed me to repent. So verse 26, I know I was trapped by the devil. I know I was, but he freed me. So when I have these things and I'm walking in the word of God, it causes me to look at myself in a humble way, but it also causes me to be graceful with those that are coming at me. So number one, again, I have to rightly handle the word of truth. Number two, I have to really believe what the Bible says about the danger of arguing and quarreling. I have to really believe that. Some of us are like, oh, you know, he's getting a little extra, too much coffee this morning. No, no, look at the text again. 14, quarreling ruins, it's a catastrophe. Verse 15 of 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says it leads to ungodliness. 16, it says it spreads rapidly like gangrene. And again, that's very dangerous. And 17, it upsets the face of some. We can no longer argue and quarrel, and fight in the body of Christ. It's serious. And it goes against how are we to be known? By the love that we have with one another. And so it shouldn't be in here, but it also shouldn't be out there. That's my problem. I, I, I do better with, with you guys. But for those that don't know God, it's harder for me. 
right? I'm still learning how to be a good friend to sinners. The third thing that I want you to get, it's the final thing. If the worship team's like, hey, dude, you're over, I know. The third thing is this, is you correct them with gentleness and meekness, verse 25. That word for gentleness, meekness, is the word that was used to, to train horses that were wild stallions. And when they were trained right, their spirit wasn't broken but they were subdued to the one who trained them so that just a tap, just a touch, they could take all of that power, right? All of that power, but it was under the one who was leading them. Understand, church of Jesus Christ, you are a stallion. And it doesn't matter if you're a black or white stallion, by the way. You are a stallion. Strong, power under control. And the defining factor of your life is you've been trained by the Holy Spirit and he just has to tap you with the reins and you'll turn this way and you'll turn that way. Lead me not into temptation. Okay, I'm fleeing because I'm a fugitive. Where's righteousness? Where is she? (laughs) Single guys, you know, where is she? Anyway. This has been really, really hard for me. And let me just say, the church has gotten a big F, myself included. I've already apologized for it, remember, a few weeks ago? We failed on the race thing. We failed. Church failed. Miserable failure. We failed on the election. Failed on vaccines. We're failing on all kinds of stuff, guys. And if that offends you, you're failing right now. Oh, what do you think about that, Chris? It is written. (laughs) Bill Rodriguez, right? Great example. This guy at the gym is pressing him on vaccinations and X, Y, and Z. And the guy had lost some people to covid and there's a tendency, right, if you believe one way, to kind of talk back, right, and give your side and start arguing. But Bill told me that he just didn't say anything about the subject for the sake of the relationship. Because guess what? If you're getting your news from CNN, you're going to believe this. If you're getting your news from this, you're going to believe that. I'm getting my news from the Bible, so I'm thinking differently. I'm a little cray-cray. I'm on a different level, right? I'm setting my mind on things above. And these things that are controversial, that can divide, we've got to walk with wisdom. We've got to be in Philippians 2.3, which says, consider others better than yourself. It is by God's grace that I am what I am. Why in the world do I struggle with pride? Big arguments about white privilege bringing division to the church of Jesus Christ. People going back and forth, there's no white privilege, there's no such thing. You know, I was born poor, I'm white in a trailer park, and I made it, and blah, 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 blah. And, and, and it just goes back and forth, right? Back and forth. 
And I, and I always talk about white privilege like monopoly. Hey, you can go around the board three or four times if you're white, and then now that everything's bought up, if you're black, you can now play monopoly. So it helps us in America to understand what right privilege is, right? Now, here's the thing with all of that. I see both sides. And we as a church are arguing about nonsense. Because guess what I have? I've got Christ privilege. That dwarfs any and every, like, Listen, I'll take a black dude, crippled, blind, poor, homeless, but has the spirit of God in him over a white billionaire any day, all day, every day. Christ privilege, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And the enemy's got us fighting about stuff and we're missing it. Proverbs 20 verse 5 says this, that the man of understanding draws out the deep waters. You see, we are enamored by the waves that are coming in, the loud waves, how beautiful, how majestic, the crashing, the loud noise, and we argue about that stuff. But understand, what's under is the reef, and when the water hits the reef, it causes the waves, but we argue about the waves, and we miss the why behind the what, and we miss the kingdom of God. People come at me, hey man, the system ain't fair, the system ain't fair. Okay, I hear you. I've been hearing you for a long time. But let me introduce you to my king. Because he wants to create a new system. He came to bring the kingdom to earth. And see, I sat around complaining. Ten years at Urban Youth, the kids are coming from public schools. 13% read on grade level when they come into our program. And I can complain about the system. I can complain about government school. I can complain. Or this past year, we just started a Christian school by faith. Where's my man, Joe? Yes, sir. Stand up, Joe. So Joe's kids, Joe's kids got to the end of the year, 85% are reading on grade level. We just started a new system. And it's like the church has lost its mind. Do you know what we have? And we get sucked into these things. And we're arguing about the wrong things. Critical race theory. Denounce Chris. I don't need to denounce critical race theory. Why? Because I got BRT, biblical race theology. And I will take on anything and everything. And let's discuss it. I don't need to argue about it. But let me show you what the word says. Come on, guys. This is who we are. And welcome to Bow Down. This is who we are. I'm way over. This is who we are. So come on up, worship team. It was Will's video. It just is way too long, man. Now, guys, listen, I struggle with arguing. It's got to stop. And listen, there's probably some of you here, you've been arguing with the cross. It's time for you to quit arguing with the cross. It's time for you to completely surrender to Jesus. That you completely give your life over to him. Today's the day of salvation. He's done so much for you. 
because he loves you and he wants you to be his son. That's the reason for the cross. He wanted sons and daughters. So we glory in that. Worship, uh, worship team's here. Prayer partners, come on up. Father, we thank you and we praise you that even when, even when we mess up and we, we, we don't align our lives with the word of God, your grace is so sufficient. Your grace is here. There is forgiveness at the cross. I just pray for our church, God. Help us, God. Help us, God. To walk in your word. To live, it is written. To understand who we are in you. What you died for. What you paid for. And walk accordingly, God. Forgive us, Lord, when we haven't trembled before your word. May we honor it. And God, forgive us when we haven't gotten rid of the things that are dishonorable. But today, God, today, help us to make a decision. I want to be used by you, Master Jesus, King Jesus. I say you're Lord, but I don't let you become Lord. Forgive me. I, 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 I today want to follow you. So God, come and do what only you can do. We love you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. You are here, but come in a greater way so that we would have the grace to repent. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.